Hello, and welcome to Property Matters, a weekly look at all matters property designed to be of interest to anyone who has an interest in property. And property Matters is supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. As you know, each week we talk through those big property stories of the week, and we love you to get involved in the chat wherever you can, wherever you're watching us and enjoying the show today. And of course, don't forget to like the page and subscribe for notifications of when we're live. And Property Matters, of course, is now available and pleased to say as a podcast uh, and available to stream or download every Monday from 10 a.m. Simply type in Property Matters TV into your favourite podcast application and you'll find us there. We also like to welcome those people who enjoy the show on the catch up via the email or social media during the week. Obviously, if you're watching on Catch-Up, we're not exactly live, so you can't comment on the programme. But if you're live now with us, then please get involved. So let's catch up with our property expert, Joe Joshi, who's got some big news for us today. Yes, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, The big news, of course, is that we have our um, website, which is now live. And I know that um, all those that are on my WhatsApp group have been bombarded with that all morning from about six o'clock this morning. Um, so I know that, um, you know, you've, you've got it. Oh, we've now lost his camera. Well, let me just, uh, while he's just dialing back in, let me just tell you the news this morning. It's going to be one of those mornings, clearly. Um, we've got uh, our brand new website, which we've just launched, which is propertymatterstv.co.uk. And as you can see on the front page, you can see the latest episode. And then when you go through to previous episodes, uh, you can see all of our programs listed there uh, right back to September of last year. So you can binge watch all of our programs um, uh, on the on the website. So here you can see the website. Um, and also we've got the podcast page. So you can pick up the podcast live as well. There's that. Um, and then also there's a contact us there uh, and an about us page as well. A little bit about Joe and myself. And then finally, you've got the info, um, or the uh, email address rather, which is hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. So let's just get uh, Joe back in. Um, Joe, I had to steal your thunder there, sorry, just uh, whilst you came back on in. I don't know how we lost you there, but uh, yes, it's great to have a new website, isn't it? You've been trying to lose me for a while, actually, Paul. I know that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm here like a bad penny week in, week out. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we're not going to get no, rid of you that easily, are we? No. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's not going to happen that easily. You could... You could, uh, as they say, you could run, but you can't hide. So that, that's the way it's going to be. Uh, no, great, great news on the website. Look, I mean, the website has been put together um, based on the demand that we've had, uh, the interest. Um, obviously, I'd really appreciate feedback. Um, uh, any, any, uh, any, any information that you can give us, or any information that you'd like us to discuss on the uh, and subjects that you'd like us to bring to the forefront. You know, this this whole thing about property matters started off purely because that's my favorite subject. I know that 99.9% of you out there, it's also your favorite subject. We try and deal with it in layman's terms so that we will understand all the gibberish stuff that comes out throughout each week. Paul Paul brings it to the front and then he tests me every Sunday. So it's like a a test every Sunday for me to see whether I'm up to speed on what I'm doing, but uh, so far so good. And and, um, so he he, he continues to try. But you know, just, just as a backup, um, we also uh, bring in experts, and of course, um, we have today joining us, um, and we've got him out of bed a bit earlier today than he normally likes to be, is Bob Singh, uh, Chess Mortgages. Bob, um, a bit like me, you know, he's just the, the only difference between me and Bob at this moment, I, he doesn't shave, so his grey is showing quite nicely and mine is not, so we're, we're, we're okay with that. <laughs> but but, but we're, we're avid and long-term um, uh, in the property, Bob, financial services, um, as long as I can think back. Uh, anything that is necessary to be known about financial services, you can contact Bob either through Property Matters or, of course, you can get him directly at Chess Mortgages um, and Bob is available to help and assist. So uh, a, a packed program, I'm sure, which we've got and uh, Paul's um, ready to go, so far away. Yes, welcome, Bob. Sorry, your sound was off there because uh, we've got a quite noisy line for you for some reason. but. Um... It'll be okay. You, we can hear you now. Good morning, guys, and good morning to everyone tuning in today. Yeah, good news about the website. I haven't tuned in yet. Uh, I, w- I will check it out later, but that's fantastic news. Okay, so the big question everybody's been asking uh, for a while now, when is the best time to get into buy-to-let? And obviously, you know, we know that savers have been getting poor returns for a long time, so people have always turned to property 
as a means of supplementing their income. Uh, and that, of course, has been supported by uh, having low mortgage rates. So it's not necessarily those who've got the cash to buy outright. People have been enjoying low mortgage rates so they can still buy a second property and afford the repayments. Uh, and there's always been solid demand from tenants and, of course, stable yields. But we've seen and we've discussed on this program, Joe and I, many times um, about the fact that the government seems to be wanted to tax and to have punitive charges put on to uh, landlords. And it almost seems to me that they want to discourage you know, casual landlords, like the person who maybe wants one or two properties just to fund a retirement or something, they really only want to support those that do it as a proper sized business. So the question is, with all the regulatory changes, and we've heard all the news and all the stats about landlords are selling up and moving out because there's just no money in it anymore. So should this be the time that we're investing in buy to let? Let me uh, start off by welcoming Bob and asking Bob for his views on that. I think Properties always a long-term play. It's never one or two years. And you've got to understand that property movements are cyclical. So, you know, prices will go down, they will go back up, and as they always have done, even after the previous recession. So I think if you're looking at the uh, property investment, it has to be long-term. And there's never a right time or a wrong time. Yes, you have to obviously pay attention to the economy and sort of, you know, time it as best as you can. But if it's your desire to enter the buy-to-let market, then you know there's no wrong time to be honest. It's more, more of can you enter the buy-to-let market because it's not quite straightforward, as we all know. You know, deposits of 25% are required. Um, you know, you've got bank arrangement fees, you've got stamp duty to tackle with, and not only that, you've got approximately 180 pieces of legislation that you have to really follow to be sort of fully compliant, um, and that's why most people employ. A letting agent to do it for them um, but I think the bigger problem is the economy right now I think the next 18 months two years are going to be a bit hairy so maybe one ought to wait and watch the uh, the buy to let mortgage rates have risen so anybody for example borrowing in London where the yields are typically low may not really see a great return in the short term um, and I think the market will push northwards into the Midlands and northeast, northwest, because the yields are better. And even if you are paying three, four percent on the buy to let, at least you'll see a positive return uh, from those areas. But I think you just take advice. I think, uh, but the good news is you don't have to be a homeowner to enter that buy to let market. If you really want to do so, you can do so as a first-time buyer, landlord. And you know there are now schemes for that category of people who maybe still live with their parents but want to enter that market so i think it's, it's a market that's it's, it's here to stay it's not going to disappear i think property is a favorite you know favorite hobby of many many people to buy and to you know to let out or develop or whatever so i think you know it's a, it's going to stay around for a long long time joe do you agree with that is it time to wait or time to buy well, from my point of view, I don't think there's ever a time to wait. I mean, you know, Bob was saying 42 years um, in the business. And I just go back into the same point and say 42 years ago, you know, the first house I sold was for 34950 in Hayes, the same house, a similar house, £700,000. Um, I think the message is in the song there, really, um, that, you know, people will continue to invest and buy irrespective of all the things that are thrown at them. Um, several things, um, you know, it is the safest form of investment that you can, you can touch it, feel it and see it. And yes, there might be times when it hasn't actually increased in value, but uh, it will eventually come back to, to do that. The government, you know, I feel it, it really any government, not this particular government, any government, any successive government has been at fault. They've been at fault because they have not come up with an alternative for people to consider investment in. It's really as simple as that. If they came up with uh, an alternative, they may find that they will reduce the number of people that will actually jump on the property ladder, especially at a certain age, at a certain time, when you don't particularly want the hassle of you know, the leaky tap and situation. You just want to be able to enjoy your retirement, enjoy your investment. So if you've got a couple of hundred thousand pounds, three, four hundred thousand pounds that you've you know, either inherited or, or accumulated or done something with or come out of a pension, you know, those that money could be invested in something that would give them a long-term investment without having to actually go into the property market. Um, and I, I've just always felt that, you know, no successive government has come back with an alternative 
um, that gives people to say, okay, I'll do that. So even the, the one or two people that actually buy a property to supplement their income or, or have a better return on their money, if it's sitting in a building society or a bank where they're not actually giving the best return, they feel compelled to go and buy something so that they can actually, you know, at least um, receive a higher return. Obviously, what they don't bear in mind is the actual running cost, because I mean, it is annoying that there are things that you got, and some could be a really smooth, easy let. You might find that you've got a tenant and you're in there for the next two years and you never hear from the tenant, the money just falls in month in, month out into your account. And, uh, and then the other side could be that you could have nothing but a nuisance tenant um, and, and you could spend, you know, whatever potential profit you're going to make back in the property because you've got a complacent tenant who's always got a leaky tap or something's going wrong um and if, before you know it you you always begin to think i wonder why i did this so it's a real hard um choice to make but unfortunately because there is no other alternative it leaves very few people to say well actually you know what i'm going to do something different and i've seen people i think i've seen people i'm sure bob bob through financial services would probably see this more than i would do but i see people come to me and say to me you know, I've got some money. I want. I don't particularly want to buy to let, but I've got no choice because I'm not earning a great deal of interest on the money. And if it isn't, it's going to dwindle away because I'm going to spend it or my, I'm going to give it to the kids or I'm going to do something else with it. And then I've got nothing to show for it. So the best thing I can do is maybe go and buy something um, and it, the, my, my money's locked in. At least I know that I'm getting a return. And if I'm not getting a return, at least I'm going to get a capital return maybe in two, three, four years time, which means that it might have increased in price and I could refinance it, take some of that money out, maybe help my kids and so forth. So it, 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 property is you know, number one, without a shadow of a doubt. When's it a right time? There's never a right time. Now is the right time. If you ever sit there waiting for the people saying, oh, well, I'll wait for another two years because house prices may go down, something else will happen. Um, but in the United Kingdom, it has been shown for as 42 years that I've been in the business that it goes into neutral or into drive. Very rarely have we had a reverse gear into the property market. Chestersons have done some research on this and they're saying that um, they've noticed an increase, for example, of 50% in property sales for buy to let in the central London areas, so places like South Kensington, but they've also noticed an increase of 20% in places like Wapping and Tower Bridge and places like that. But they're saying that because the average monthly rent now in London is at £1,698 per month, that's a 15.7% increase in the last year. And I guess that's because so many people are coming back into the capital to work and therefore need to rent again because they've been working from home. So suddenly there's a demand for rental property in London. There's a shortage of property in London, and that's pushed the prices up. And obviously those that are looking to buy to let are seeing a good in good increase there. So, 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 Bob, that seems to be driving it. What's your view on that? Do you still think it's worth waiting? I think the London, well, don't wait too long, I think, because the what's happening is inflation is nearing 10%. So money in the bank is actually depreciating. And it's not in the UK, it's all over the world, you know, France, America, inflation is rampant. So people know that money in a bank account is dead money. It's not going to be yielding like 0.1%. Whereas still in a property, you've got a chance to get uh, an income and capital appreciation over the medium long term. So it's no surprise that people are piling back into London to buy these buy to let because their money in a bank is dead. It's not doing anything. So property is the best long term investment, along with gold, of course, uh, without really too much of a risk you know it's tangible it's always you know it's there you might not want to sell it if the prices are down but you can always hold on to it and if prices go up as joe said you can release your money out and then you know use that for other purposes it's the best way to save long term because you know trying to save from an income is damn hard you know you've got rising bills energy bills gas electric fuel you know property is there as a safety net for the long term so here's a question to both of you, um, and I'll ask Joe first, but if you did, let's just say you had 600,000 to buy something on a buy-to-let, or you could get a funding for that, would you buy something in London, smaller, maybe on a leasehold or something like that, or would you go out of town, maybe go north and buy something significant like a four or five bedroom house and, and rent that? What would be your view, Joe? Well, if I had that kind of money, I would actually be spreading my bets quite nicely. Um, because you you know as bob has said earlier that um 
even you don't have to be a homeowner to be able to do a buy to let program so if you had a 25% deposit uh, on a property and out of 600,000 pounds you could get yourself a tremendous portfolio spread throughout uh, with a choice perhaps um, of one or two in London but perhaps a few a little bit further afield where the returns may actually be much much better so even if the returns on the ones in London may not give you a monthly increase um, but it, it, the ones in London will give you a long-term capital uh, return and the ones in the outer areas will give you the running cost so imagine if you're getting a 10% return on your investment on in I don't know, Birmingham, Coventry, wherever that, uh, the other areas might be that you might decide to do, that will almost pay for the London property to a large extent and it'd be a good balance. So my suggestion would be to speak to someone like Bob and say, I've got five, six hundred thousand pounds. How many buy to lets can I have and, and where can I go and buy them um, and then come back to me and I'll tell them where they can go there. But I wouldn't be looking to do one. I'd be looking to do quite a portfolio at that sort of level. But that's that is at the higher end pool. I mean, you know, and there are a lot of people that do have that either through inheritance or through um, their own savings or through the sale of property. Some people have downsized. When you go back to the pandemic period, a lot of people took the advantage of downsizing um, and, and, and sort of cashing out and they've got that money sitting on an account. But as Bob says, look at the interest return they're getting is nothing. So what they're going to do is they're going to go back into property, perhaps in an area where they've moved to and find that they could actually probably buy two, three or four properties um, and, and return to, to the rental market. And the demand for rental market at the moment, as you can see from the stats that we, we're discussing today, is, is uh, increasing. Bob, how would you divide up your 600 grand? I would have a damn good time in Vegas, but I don't think the wife would agree with that. But, uh, <laughs> I, I would firstly take, take, take uh, tax advice. Um, and I would then decide if I'm really a, an expert at investing or whether it's my first time. So I think, as Joe said, it's good to diversify geographically. And it's also good to... Uh, choose different types of property as well. So I think where, it depends where you are on the journey. If you're a first timer, I think I'd probably look at a multi-unit block, maybe five or six flats in the Midlands somewhere where it's easy to control, easy to manage, uh, and all depends on how much time you've got to look after these properties. So it, it, it depends, you know, so if you like, you know, a particular area and you know there's a strong demand, maybe because of universities, you know, that, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, or whether there are large employers around the you know, major, major industries. Um, but I think, yeah, I think you just got to do your research and see because you, it wouldn't be really wise to buy one in East Anglia, one in Scotland, one in Wales. You know, it's, it's all over the place. So, you know, um, I think you've got to pick up maybe uh, a region and, and, and maybe invest in that region that you like. It's interesting, Paragon Bank have said that uh, they've reported increased buy-to-let lending of 19.5% during the first half of this financial year, with strong demand from portfolio landlords. So it's a clear sign that people are getting into buy-to-let right now, despite the uh, uh, the headwinds, if you want to call it that. They completed £854.6 million worth of buy-to-let loans in the six months to the 31st of March, 98.2% of which were classed as specialist buy-to-let. They've also seen a strong increase in green mortgages, which I know is something we've talked to you, Bob, about before. But um, seeing a lot of people um, who are getting really good pricing as an incentive on energy efficient properties. So they did a total of £353 million worth of lending on properties with an EPC of between A and C, which is up 38% on the year. So, so people are moving forward with that because they're seeing benefits, um, presumably in the lending for a good quality property. That's right, yeah. I mean, obviously, very shortly it will become law, so every property will have to be APC if it's, if it's for letting. Um, but for now, yeah, lenders are incentivizing customers who are, you know, buying ABC properties uh, with a fractional discount on, on the rate. So overall, you know, it contributes towards your costs to make it uh, ABC. So it's a good idea. It's a good incentive. And, uh, and as you've clearly proven there, you know, there's a good take up on it as well. And Joe, do you want me to? flights to vegas before we go or shall i leave that to shall i leave that to you no no way mate I'm, i don't share <laughs> <laughs>
No, I, I think I think Vegas is a good idea, definitely. You, I mean, you you've got to let a bit of, let a bit of steam off and then come back and settle down because once you've actually got that portfolio, you probably won't be going in a hurry again. So you might as well get that out of the way first. Um, and and especially as as Bob says, if people buy from you know from one extreme to the other, they'll be spending half their life um, just traveling between them. So Vegas will definitely not be on the cards. And talking about that that particular timing issue, I've always recommended that 45 minutes is the maximum. Now, 45 minute driving distance to a property is the maximum period I recommend that you should consider ever. Now, people are gonna say that's sound, why 45 minutes, why can't it be an hour? But the funny thing is, hour becomes a day and 45 minutes is actually only half a day. Um, and so you've got to sort of balance that. The only comparison I can give you on that so that people can understand is that if you do a school run in the morning and you actually leave at eight o'clock, the chances are you're going to get your kid to the school at the right time or maybe a bit earlier. But at 8.15, the whole world leaves at the same time and that's when the traffic jams happen. And it's the same scenario that if you actually take, you, take a property and you go just that one hour journey, all of a sudden you're going to find that it's a day return. Um, and that you've got to put a time and value on your, your sorry, 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 you've got to put a value on your time and also where those properties are going to be. So it's good to actually have a buy to let portfolio within 45 minutes of from your base where you are living as a maximum time. Because that means that if something does go wrong or you need to get a plumber out or you need to go and fix something or you need to do something to that property, you are able to do that in half a day. Um, than it is to spend the whole day. Because at the end of the day, if you spend all of that time traveling, you're taking your profit out by that traveling and the cost that it's gonna cost you um, for the return. So it's quite important to sort of time it in that sense. And yes, a block is quite a good idea if you can get a hold of a block because it means it's easily managed in one spot. But if that isn't available, then yes, try and make sure that it's within a short distance so that you can manage the property. Okay, let's move on. And one of the reasons why we're really glad that uh, Bob is with us today, uh, and that is um, for the rise of two specific mortgage products. Now, the, I've not heard of these, TO and RIO. So that's term interest only mortgages and retirement interest only mortgages. And these are increasingly being uh, taken out by older people who presumably have uh, issues with their own personal financing. Is that a fair assumption, Bob? Do you want to take us through it? TOs are term interest only mortgages and RIOs are retirement interest only mortgages. Uh, both are assessed on affordability. Now, TOs are the old mortgages where people took interest only mortgages and didn't really plan for the day when they have to pay it back. So those people who took out mortgages, you know, 20, 25 years ago are probably coming to the end of their term now. and you know, wondering what the hell to do because uh, the, the banks have written to them saying they want all their money back in one go. Um, but don't panic, there are solutions. And interest only was automatic back in the day. You know, you didn't really have to ask for interest only. Even at 90% lending, you got an interest only mortgage. But these days, uh, lenders have become a little bit wiser because after the mortgage market review in 2014, the FCA pretty much clamped down on interest-only mortgages at that time. And it's only in the last three, four years that lenders have started to release interest-only products, but only for a certain class of borrower. So that borrower is now either with, with somebody with a decent-sized deposit, so there's already a significant amount of equity from day one, and that equity varies in quant quantum, but uh, it's usually enough to buy a two-bedroom flat in the same area that you're buying your house in. So, like in, in West London, that equity requirement might be 300,000, and then, yes, you can have an interest-only mortgage. So that if you don't pay it back, at least you can sell the house and buy a two-bedroom apartment to move in at the end of the term. Um, so, and the, other, and the other criteria is high income. It's not generally available to people like me, not earning a lot of money, it's generally for people earning 75k, 100k plus, so that uh, they know that that, cl that class of borrower is going to have lots of cash switching around, so they'll probably be able to make them some repayments to their mortgage debt and bring it down over that period. So, uh, but, you know, interest only serves a purpose. You know, even my mortgage to this day is interest only. So, um, and I've done 
well throughout my 25-year journey with interest-only mortgages. So, the, But they have to be handled with a bit of care, a bit of foresight. You've got to have a plan, uh, and it's, there's only one plan, which is to pay it off. So you've either got to build up assets in the background, build up investments, or, or have a business that you might sell in 25 years' time to pay the residential mortgage off. So they are still in use, but the qualification criteria is a little bit stiffer now. And if you're coming to the end and, and you've not really planned, you have no other assets, um, and you're coming to, you know, sort of retirement, then the retirement interest only mortgage could replace the TO mortgage. But retirement interest only mortgages are available to people over the age of 55. And there is uh, an income affordability assessment. So you must have some sort of income, either through your pension or your business, uh, to sustain that interest only mortgage or the retirement interest only mortgage for your living days, because it's generally no term to that mortgage. You'll, you'll, be there, you'll be there until you pass away, or if it's a couple, until the second partner passes away. <clears throat> and if that option isn't there, if you have no income at all, then yes, you've either got to sell, which is sad because you have a lot of memories from that house. You probably will have raised all your children there, spent happy times, and you may not want to sell. So the final solution or the solution of last resort is the equity release mortgage. So if you're coming to the end of your mortgage term and you have no options, then there are there is a solution. You can take a lifetime mortgage, which involves no underwriting. It can be interest only. It's usually a very long-term fixed rate. And these days, equity release mortgages aren't the old nasty products that we saw 20, 50, you know, 20, 30 years ago. They're now pretty much mainstream, to be honest with you. They're very flexible. You can overpay so that compound interest doesn't accrue too rapidly. Um, you can stop pay making the payments if you can't, if you don't want to. So again, it's designed for that market where there's uncertainty of income or lack of income, but there's lots of equity. Um, so equity release mortgages are typically based on the equity in the house, and they rarely exceed 55% loan to value. They start off for younger people at around 25%. And they gradually creep their way up to 55 if you're older as uh, say 70 80 and health plays a big part in how much the bank gives you on day one so if you're a fit 80 year old like paul mccartney <coughs> you may not get the full 55 percent because they know that you might live 200 and you've got 20 years of compound interest to deal with so the bank doesn't want to be left out of pocket and the good schemes these days also have a negative so no uh, negative equities or a guarantee as well so you'll never owe more than the value of your home as well so your beneficiaries are sort of comfortable that you, you know they're not going to be left with a big debt after their parents pass away so um but they're useful products you know every 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 interest only mortgage has a place but it was misused it was probably missold or not explained properly back in the day so we do see a lot of cases where Mortgages are coming to the end. Parents haven't got the income to, you know, uh, extend it with another borrower, and they have to bring on their children into the arrangement, which they may or may not want to do. So, you know, if you're in that predicament, then get in touch with a good financial advisor or a broker to have those explained to you and choose the best option for you. Uh, there's been a 26% increase in the Rios. They've, they've only been approved since um, 2018 by the FCA from, from, from what I'm reading here. But what they're saying is interesting is that uh, you can have a set term, but there is an option for fixed for life, which they refer to as the longest fixed rate in the UK mortgage market. Yeah, lot, lot, lots of options open. Yeah, I mean, those are from specialist lenders who operate in that market space. Uh, <clears throat> the standard lenders don't offer lifetime fixed for affordability-based models just yet. Um, but if you lock in to a rate for that period of time, then if you exit early, there's going to be huge penalties because these are money market-backed instruments that they take out to give you the money. So if you break that contract, it can get very expensive. So take advice. Yeah. 
And uh, Joe, Bob's right there. He's saying that uh, basically, uh, you know, interest only, you've got to really treat it very carefully and, and, and have a plan. Yeah, I mean, uh, 20, 25 years ago, it was all the rage. It was, there was nothing else there. And, and uh, repayments were just, you know, uh, out of reach. It, it was the other way around. And now repayments are probably a little bit more in reach because that's one of the only way that uh, people can clear up. But the biggest concern, of course, has been that um, there has been no other instrument to be able to deal with that. I mean, the only thing that there was um, was uh, endowments, and they they fell off off the edge uh, probably 20, 25 years ago. Um, and so there is there is that market. Of course, they realise that, and that's where the Rio comes into it, because they know there's going to be, as Bob says, family homes, people that have been in the, in the in those homes for all that period. And all of a sudden, you know, the bank may turn around and say, well, we need that back. Um, and, and so they've got other options now. And, that, and, and that's, I think, to a, to a lot of people, that's ex excellent news. Um, because there are people that have had those homes. And some of them had to, and, and, and we saw that, Paul, in, in the um, lockdown period where the market was going crazy, where people thought, well, this is my window of opportunity now. I don't need to work from my office. I can actually work from home any part of the country, you know, sell high, buy cheap, release and cleared their mortgages as, as quickly as they could. Um, but now some sort of normality is coming in. You know, it's, it's, it's hard for those that are now, especially the next generation, to start to think that they want to be remote because it's not just about the costing, it's also about life. And, and for them, they want to enjoy the bright lights of, of the city, whatever city they might be in, whether it's Birmingham or London, you know, and, and they want to turn around and, and have that whole um, package where they can be in the town, which is why when you look at the statistics that are going out at the moment, the London market is coming back in. We always knew it would because at times it's not just a local, a, a, a domestic market that we look at. It's also an international market when international students, international business people start to come back in. And we also know that when you know, there are crises elsewhere in the world, um, those people tend to flock to safe, secure and, um, and, and, and good return in environments like London and like the UK. So. I don't ever see that there will be any reason for people not to do that. But I think to see these products coming in is only good for um, people's mindsets and, and gives them the comfort to say that there is an alternative. Um, and they should, of course, speak to their financial advisor or, or, or take advice from um, Bob and, and his team and, and discuss that. Because I think it's nice to see that there is now um, other alternative opportunities that are being presented. And equity release is a, is a great thing. Uh, I don't think it's something that, from a cultural point of view, people have taken on board because it's not something that we kind of begin to understand. But I think it's, there's a huge market within the communities to understand that, that they can stay where they are, they can release um, themselves, and they can have the full benefit um, of that. I think, um, yeah, I, I've not seen that marketed anywhere, Bob, you know, directly. And I think that's, that's a great product that should be marketed. Yeah, the important thing to remember, the important thing to remember is if you are coming to the end of your term and you've had a few letters from the bank and you've not done anything, is not to panic. Uh, the bank doesn't take the house from you the day after your mortgage ends. It does give you time. So as long as you communicate with the bank and say you are taking advice, you do want to deal with that responsibility, you know, the banks will be very, very understanding. They have to be under the treat your customers fairly regime or the doctrine. You know, uh, somebody aged 50, 60, 65 is classed as a vulnerable customer by the FCA. So the banks can't bulldoze you out, you out, out, out your house and take you to the court without really listening to what your strategy is. I've seen cases where, you know, we've negotiated with the banks to extend that term for a few years to give them time to either sell or take that advice and, uh, you know, get, the, get a solution sorted. The banks will listen. They're obliged to. So do not panic, do talk, talk to somebody, take, take advice, but communication is the key. You must tell the bank what you're doing. Don't bury your head in the sand um, and we can do that for you. We can liaise on your behalf. We can talk to the bank and say, look, we're advising these people, hold off, but you must not stop making payments just because your mortgage term has ended does not absolve you from that responsibility. That will ruin your credit file and it may 
close a few options that otherwise might be open. So message is, don't panic, but do take advice. Well, we've had some reaction. Good to see you all. Nice to see and hear Bob with his wise words and calm manner. So uh, you make finance so much more pleasant, apparently. <laughs> that, must, that must be the wife, yeah. Yes, the wife's been in touch. Um, you would expect me to add, I think this is uh, Guy, isn't it? You would expect me to add, but the life tenancy option or equity release for those retired folks who have not been able to pay off their mortgage is also an increasing market, but ultimately good to have more choices um, at more mainstream rates. So it's good to see these niche products coming into the mainstream, Guy is saying, I think. Is that probably fair? It is. Um, I've qualified in equity release, so we're able to advise now on the whole suite of products. So, uh, you know, we've doing a fairly large case now. Um, Joe mentioned, interestingly, cultural issues. And in the Asian community, you know, we don't like these products or because they've not been explained uh, as well. But once they're understood, they are no different to a, a regular mortgage. Um, you're not selling the house as in the old reversionary schemes that used to happen. You used to sell your house and have a lifetime tenancy uh, and the company sold the house. So you, but with a standard equity release mortgage, the house stays in your name and there's a no negative equity guarantee so they are not the old schemes they are pretty much mainstream the rates are pretty okay as well sub four percent not bad uh, and flexible you can overpay stop paying not pay take lump sums very very good products i think that the important thing there the, the message the reason i say the communities is that i think a lot of people are sitting um nervously bob um, uh, at this point, sort of thinking, well, what do I do? The problem we have, um, and, and some of the things that sort of come uh, forward to me is that they feel that they have to maybe um, sell to their children or, or do something um, internally. Um, and, um, and, and what the good thing about the equity release situation is that, you know, it leaves the parents or the people that have had that property perfectly in charge of their destination. Um, and I think that the, the point I was trying to make is in terms of it not being aware is that that needs to be educated that, you know, they don't need to be fearful of, of what could happen. And I've certainly seen people where they've come in and not understood that and said to me, look, you know, I think I need to maybe uh, either add a child or, or, or give it to a, a child or do something else so that I can continue to stay there and it can remain our family home. Um, I think the good thing about the equity release is that it does leave you in charge. And I think that's something that, um, you know, you should take advice on and not be shy in coming forward. And of course, we're all here to assist and guide you and help you with that. Um, Bob's here as, as a mortgage advisor to do that and certainly I'm, I'm here to try and steer you and if it means that that's the right route then that's the right route so don't fear Bob said don't don't put your head in the sand and, and think this is going to cause cause a problem there are solutions available and pretty sound solutions available for everybody and everyone's circumstances um, that is out, that is out there and, and that's the good thing about you know, the, F uh, the FCA, they, they do make sure that people aren't bulldozed and bullied out of the circumstances by financial lenders and so forth. They get it into it. They're big boys. They, they lend, lend money. They've got a security. And we talk about property on this Property Matters program week in, week out. Why do we do that? Because property is the safest. And even those lenders know that this is the safest investment that they've lent on. So I don't think they should ever think about that. But you know, we're here, obviously, raise the questions of anything that you have. Um, and, um, you know, we, we're really pleased to know that um, we have the facilities and the experts that come along to give us the right guidance and advice. And thanks for joining us on that webinar, Bob. Indeed. Final story of the week, because we must uh, uh, move on. Time is uh, against us. But this is an interim. We were talking about whether it was the right time to get into buy-to-let at the beginning of the programme. Um, but there's a suggestion, actually, that we can increase our rental income, not by being in buy-to-let, but going into the holiday-lets market. So landlords can increase their rental income by a massive 21% by targeting a short-term holiday-let market uh, over the traditional rental market. This is a, a, a research by Revolution Brokers. In England, the average monthly rent is, rent is now £943 per month, but the average for a holiday let is £1,137, a premium of 
Not surprisingly, Cornwall, the most popular destination for this. Uh, holiday let premium 35% in Devon and Cornwall, followed by the East Midlands at 30%, North East at 24 and the West Midlands at 24 Um and they're saying that the, the rise of Airbnb, now it's no longer the, the practice of people to go immediately to find a hotel in those areas. They look for Airbnb. And of course, but, you know, there are, though there are certain rules to, to letting out property as a holiday let and certain amounts of days per year that you have to do it, of course. But if you get that right, there could be a premium there. What's your view, uh, Bob? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been on the rise for many, many months. And uh, the biggest attraction is the treatment of uh, interest because holiday lets are seen as a business, whereas uh, bike lets are not. So it, it is attractive from that point of view. So everybody should consider a, a holiday bike let in their portfolio. Ideally, freehold, because some leases don't allow subletting and short-term lets. So you've really got to be careful when you're buying a flat in any location like that and make sure the lease allows, allows subletting. Uh, but freehold property is, is absolutely fine and the returns can be good, obviously. And there are specialist products for the holiday let market. But, um, but some people think they can buy a holiday let anywhere. No, that's not the case. It has to be in a place of, uh, you know, where people would actually go to spend some time away from the big cities. So if you're buying in, you know, Wales or Cornwall, which is obviously quite popular, then it's those sort of locations that uh, lenders are willing to consider. And because the assessment is done in a particular or the calculation is done in a more dif- in, in, in a different way you can often quite easily still achieve 75 percent lending on these things and if you buy in a company name that's even more better so we've got the lenders you know to, to handle pretty much any scenario uh, for a holiday let uh, purchase but yeah maybe not your first time <laughs> you know do get experience in the budget let market first but consider it you know are you suggesting by that, Bob, that it's actually a bit trickier to do to, to run a holiday let as a as a kind of buy to let type of project rather than a traditional buy to let? It could be because of the distance involved. Because if, if you're letting people in who you've never seen before, you know who lets them in, who lets them out, who does the cleaning, so that it's a bit more hotelish, you know, a bit more labour intensive in terms of maintaining that particular property. Because yes, you can take a deposit and things like that and make sure they don't damage anything. Uh, you know, you may need a managing agent on hand, so that would eat into the margin slightly. So I think you've just got to do your sums and see how it would work in practice. Theory is one side, practicality is another. Yeah, they're called furnished holiday lettings, aren't they, Joe? And you have a number, to get all of the benefits from the tax office, for example, you have to have a number of days of occupancy during the year, um, and there's a number of hoops to jump through, so it can be tricky, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, it's attractive, and it's, uh, it's attractive in certain areas and regions, there's no doubt about it. Um, um, but as Bob says, you've got to check the leases. Uh, some places, especially even in London, a lot of the leases actually don't allow, the management companies don't allow um, uh, sort of Airbnb situations, primarily because the other people that live in those blocks or live in those properties just don't want uh, not knowing the people that come in and out um, and it can cause a lot of problems especially if you've managed to get a, a short-term Airbnb let to someone who's decided even though they say you can't go and have a, a party but decided to have five or six people over that night and had a shindig it just creates problems so that that is what puts the mockers on the Airbnb uh, uh, this, you know, model for, for certain types of property, but freehold, yes. And of course, the main thing is um, they have to be in an area that you want, that there is going to be a demand. But rightly so, your practical um, advice is that, you know, take it in an area where you can manage it. Managing is very important because, you know, these people are in and out. It is more, more hotel, motel type of operation where you're going to need someone who's going to go in and clean after them, you know, change the, the, the bedding, do all the, all the stuff, um, and then make sure it's ready for the next person. Um, but of course, it's the void periods that you've got to really take into consideration because you might have done really well in, you know, perhaps our, our June, July, August types of period, but then come December, September, or October, you might find that, you know, it's lying empty and not doing anything. So you really got to balance the income against the the shortfall and the void periods, but uh, yeah, it's demanding. It's coming up. It's, it's showing that, especially in those remote areas, primarily because you're not always going to get the best. So you know, 
I've known of properties, but perhaps in certain parts of the country where they say, oh, well, actually I'm only paying 500 pound a month, 300 pound a month, 600 pound a month for rental. And you might find that you actually get five, 600 pound a week on a, on a, on an Airbnb. And that makes good sense because that is there, but remember the void period and, and of course, making sure that the, the numbers do work out. Um, they always sound attractive, but there's always a catch, isn't there? There's no such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> some, some, someone somewhere somewhere is going to have to pay out for it somehow. So uh, it's just a case of uh, weighing up what works for you. Yeah, the, the accommodation has to be let or available for let for 210 days of the year. Um, and you've got to let it for at least 105 days of the year. And actually, there's a rather crafty way uh, that you're able to... Um, to, to, to aggregate. So if you've got more than uh, one property, there's an example that the government gives here on their advice. Emma's got four UK holidays um, in 2019 and 2020. She let the first one for 120 days, the second one for 125 days, the third one for 112, and the fourth one for 64. Now, two of those clearly didn't make it, but because in total the four actually averaged out the right figure per property, that's actually okay. So there's a, there's a few ways around it, I guess, but uh, you've got to know what you're doing, haven't you, Joe? Yeah, I mean, as I said, there's, there's, it's just the knowledge of, do, of doing that. And then because that's what you're doing, you're always becoming your own managing um, uh, agent for making sure that the occupancy is the correct amount in order to justify, A, the income and B, the tax, um, you know um, benefits that you're going to get by doing it on those those periods um, of course you need to take the appropriate tax advice from your accountants and, and your tax advisors but fundamentally you do spend time um, managing a situation that's going to give you the best returns and Bob you know one of the things that's come out of this conversation today is it's wise to get sensible advice now does that advice, um, how does that work, generally speaking, for the sort of things we've been talking about today? I mean, do you have to pay up front for advice or does the payment come to people like yourself through the fees that you get from selling the products? How does it work? Okay, we don't charge for informal advice at all. You know, we're happy to spend 10, 15 minutes with anyone and guide them generally. If they uh, instruct us, then we would arrange the mortgage for which there is a fee. We also get a bit from the lender as well to sort of top that up to cover our costs. Uh, but for, if anybody just wants a general chat with it, there's no fee for that at all. So, you know, we're quite good like that. And if there is a broker fee, we don't charge it until the job is done. So you're not losing or risking money with a broker and not being guaranteed a service or, or a product at the end of it. We only take the money once the job is done. But more important than that is the tax advice in what sort of uh, capacity do you buy that property? Is it as a limited company, a sole trader? Uh, as a partnership with your spouse or a business partner, how do you buy it? You've really got to take advice around that for the best tax efficiency for your circumstances. Now, and then you've got to think about where to buy it because if you, as this market has exploded over the last, you know, especially since the pandemic, uh, if you then buy in an area which is heavily competitive, then your rents may not be remain as high as they have done so far because if everybody buys holiday lets in Cornwall then you're going to be one of 10,000 people trying to let out their let out their cottage so how can you make it stand out so either your property's got to be absolutely spot on with a sea view or something like that um, or you've got to price you know, price competitively so but the biggest benefit is yes you can go and live there yourself as well so you know if you if you fancy a break yeah it's something that you've got you haven't got to book anything. It's yours to stay there as well and, and, and enjoy it. So it's, I think, the third or fourth tier in your investment journey. You know, you might have a few single buy to lets. Then you might graduate to a HMO. You might then do a, a multi-unit block. Maybe experiment with a bit of semi-commercial property. And then the holiday lets. Mm, mm. It's down the priority ladder. Yeah. Well, I mean, also the fact is, as uh, the Daily Mail have uh, or Mail Online have put uh, this weekend, second homeowners face Airbnb ban as Michael Gove plans crack down on holiday lettings to protect tenants living tourist hotspots. So it looks like the levelling up and regeneration bill will try and outlaw this in certain regions. And the certain regions they're talking about, I believe, are, well, these are the councils that are thinking of banning second homes 
Um, so you, if you're buying in Sorkham, St. Ives, Tideswell, I hope that's pronounced right, Whitby and Whitstable, they'll all ban you from buying a second home. If you're buying a home there, you're going to have to live in it. Um, and just for the sake of fullness and completion, this is the, um, when I can find it, hang on, there we are. No, this is it here. Um, <clears throat> these are the most sought after hotspots in the UK if you're buying a holiday let. So top of the list, not surprisingly, Sorkham, then Falmouth, uh, North Berwick, St. Ives. So, yeah, lots of Cornwall there. Look, Bournemouth on the south coast, Whitstable in Yorkshire, uh, Whitby, Weymouth. So, yeah, pretty much all, um, as, as you'd expect, coastal towns, but uh, scattered pretty much around Cornwall mostly and the east coast by the look of it. So um, it, it looks as if Mr. Gove's going to try and um, rain on everyone's parade, Joe. Yeah, but he likes to do that. I think he doesn't have a portfolio himself, so... Uh... He just thinks that he can make life miserable for, for ordinary folk, especially in his levelling up um, new new role that he's um, trying to do everywhere. But look, at the end of the day, we understand why councils and people want to do that. It's probably because, you know, they're going to get a seasonal bunch of people going in there and then all of a sudden it'll be dead and other people can't actually get on the ladder and buy. So there's, there's some logical and reasonable, reasonable reasons for it, I understand. But it doesn't mean that... Uh, people can't actually invest in those. And as Bob says earlier on, you know, it's also a place for you to stay when you want to take that break and, and, and choose to go and enjoy that space as well. So I think it's about the communities, but it's, you know, what, what, what really um, comes back to me all the time here is that look how important property is. I mean, in every shape or form, um, there is a role to play for property in our lives from start to finish, from first-time buyers to investments, to Airbnb, to buy-to-let, um, you know, and we haven't even started development and building our own and all that kind of stuff there. It's just huge. Um, it's what we, you know, that, it's why our program exists week in, week out, because it's a subject that is on everyone's lips that, you know, property is the, the, the right way to go. and. Um, so I think, you know, I think um, uh, Gove is just, you know, trying to, you know, clip our, our wings by saying, oh, he'll do this and he'll do that. But, you know, if he can come up with a another form of investment, maybe other people will start to look at other things. But until that happens, I think it's always going to be property. Lovely. Bob, thank you so much for your wisdom as always and delivered in such a calm, gentle manner, which is the uh, the perfect way to do it on a Sunday morning at uh, this time. So thank you for your wisdom as always. Joe, thank you for you. And I hope you've enjoyed watching our Property Matters show this week. And don't forget, the podcast will be live from 10am tomorrow morning. You can take it with you wherever you go. We'll see you again next week. 